Hello, everybody. Welcome uh, once again to Vineyard Community Church. As we continue on in a series we're doing called You Have the Words of Life. And um, what we've decided to do in this series is take some time to sort of consider some of the amazing things that Jesus has said. And I, I want to do it in a way that I, I hope will uh, have an impact on your, your sort of, you know, your devotional times with God, that this is a, a great way to really kind of go deeper um, into the Word of God and, and into the things that Jesus would encourage us to do. It's to take a, uh, something that He said and just sort of spend some time considering it. Ask God to help you use your holy imaginations to, you know, sort of stay in that one spot of Scripture, to think about what it would have been like um, uh, at that period of time, what, what the scene would have been like, what, uh, what the people's reactions would have been like, what would it have been like if you were there. Um, and I think that as you consider these things, the, the Word of God really comes alive, um, you know, as the Holy Spirit uh, sort of illuminates it to us. And we can learn a lot from these things, more than if we just sort of do a casual reading and, and, uh, and sort of take time to really dig in. So, so far, we've, um, we've looked at uh, things that Jesus has said. Um, you know, one of the great questions he started with, what do you want? I love that. Uh, we looked at the, the encounter he had where he asked two of John the Baptist's disciples who were following, what do you want? And, and uh, you know, I said that, that ultimately, I think, the, the place where we begin to find life in our response is, Lord, I just want what you want. But that, that takes time, and, and, and it's probably a continual process in our lives. And then we talked about the importance of the presence of God in our lives, and we looked at uh, an encounter and an incident, if you would, at the temple courts where, where Jesus said, you know, stop making my father's house a market. And, and that um, sometimes we settle for the temporary over the eternal sort of perspective and that we always need to be pushing in to the Lord and um, appreciating and understanding how amazing it is that we have access to the literal presence of God 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, then we looked at, at his encounter with Nicodemus a couple of weeks ago um, where, where Jesus said, you must be born again. And, and that encounter gave us a backdrop for really digging into what that's all about. And last week, we saw Jesus encounter the woman at the well. And we discussed all about Samaritans and, and why this was such an amazing encounter that she was an, an outcast in a group of outcasts. And yet Jesus, you know, um, encourages her to be a worshiper. And, and so we talked about that. Uh, and so today we're going to talk about something else in just a moment. That's the intro. This is the transition. And uh, always a bad joke here. These are really bad. Stunned silence last night. And so uh, I'm excited to see your reaction today. Recently I started a band called uh, 999 Megabytes. We, uh, we haven't gotten a gig yet. Bad? This one's worse. What, what did Jay-Z call his girlfriend before they got married? Fiancé. Her Beyoncé is who she is, his wife. Be fian Scripture reading here on purpose. Moving right along. John chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. And now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of the disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? 
Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. And then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was the Sabbath. And so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. And the man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. And blessed be the word of the Lord. This uh, is one of my favorite encounters. I say that about every encounter. but that, uh, And Jesus says one of my favorite things, and I, I know I say that a lot too, but um, I love what takes place here. We've actually spent a lot of time talking about this, but I think it's a... Uh, it's an ongoing, amazing question um, that, that we, we should be asking ourselves all the time uh, and, and in every area of life. Um, I, and I think it opens us up to um, the, the work of the Spirit in us as He continues to sanctify us and to change us over time. And this question is this. First point in your notes. Do you want to get well? Do you want to? To get well. What an amazing, amazing question. Because I think it, it puts the focus right where it needs to be. Remember, this is Jesus, the, the fully God, fully man, the creator of all things. And, and he speaks this question to, to the man I'm about to interest, introduce you to in the story. But, but beyond that, he speaks it to all of us, and I believe he speaks to us continually in the process, not only in the beginning when we, when we move into salvation, but throughout our journeys with him until we arrive, uh, uh, you know, to be with him forever, that this is an ongoing question we have to ask that impacts every area of our lives. Do you want to get well? Um, verses 5 and 6, one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned he'd been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? And, and here's the, the situation um, so, so that we, we can begin to, to think about this. The first thing is this, that sometimes we get so used to the way that we're living, um, even if it's not good, that it starts to seem normal. Um, and, and we call that the familiar. And so the familiar... Um, is, is there's something that we are sort of drawn to about the familiar. Um, but, but oftentimes, just because it's familiar doesn't mean that it's good or right or healthy. It's just familiar. And we will settle for familiar over what is good oftentimes in our lives. There's something about it, the familiarity of it, We'll, we'll, we will settle for that instead of really digging into if this is right, if this is healthy, if this is good. That's why oftentimes people who grow up in bad situations will actually in their adult lives move into those same types of bad situations once again because um, it's familiar. It's not healthy. It's just kind of what they're used to. And so because they're used to it, it, it there's something that draws them into it and perpetuates this whole process in their lives. And so, so you have this whole sort of idea that I want you to start with, the idea of familiar, and, and are we setting, settling for the familiar in our lives, even if it's not good? And also, you have this guy 
who's been there a very long time. Now, um, the, the word invalid um, can mean many things. So, so go beyond the physical limitations uh, that he might have had in the process. It can mean sick. It can mean diseased. It can mean weak. Um, uh, and and in, in effect, what he had become was in life, he had become invalid because he had just kind of stopped, in effect, living and had settled into the situation that he was in, which was not a good situation, and he had been there for a very, very long time. He was in a place known for healing, but even after all this time and years, he had never been healed. And he had a lot of excuses for why, but see, here's where we get in trouble. Our excuses will allow us to continue on in the, in the unhealthy way that we choose to live in a lot of situations in our life. Now, what I love about um, this encounter is that, that Jesus sees him. And that, see, Jesus sees things and sees people and sees the beauty of their potential, um, and, and it's amazing to watch it happen. Because I would, I would suggest to you that this guy, having been there for so long and having no friends and no one around, had become basically invisible to the world that was around him. That people who were walking through Bethesda or who were there had, had virtually stopped seeing this person. He had become just a part of the scenery of what was going on around him. And, and you, you can relate to that, I bet. I, I, I would say, you know, if you think about it, that there are a lot of people who just sort of blend into the scenery of your lives, too in all sorts of ways. You just kind of see them and they're just part of the scenery. And you don't really stop to consider that these are, um, you know, people with, with lives of their own and, and uh, whom God desperately loves and all sorts of other things. They, they just can quickly blend into the scenery of our lives. And so it's a challenge for us to, to understand that Jesus is always looking and seeing what's taking place. And in this process, at this point in time, at this encounter, here's a guy who, who had been, you know, sort of left and alone for a very long time and Jesus sees him and he goes over and, and what Jesus does in this encounter is he extends the kingdom of God to him and, and all that that means in the process and he does it all with that question do you want to get well? do you want to get well? it's, a, it's an amazing life-changing <laughs> incredible question do you want to get well? And, and in effect what he's saying is listen are you willing to do what it takes? Would you be willing to walk away from the familiar? Will you have faith? Will you, will you trust God in the process? Will you do what God says or not? Or, see, and, and here's where I think we, we often struggle, and trust me, I get this one as well. You know, you know I, don't, I don't really like the situation I'm in, but, but I'm not sure that I, I, uh, I really want to kind of give up all the things that I'm doing that got me here in this situation. Do you have another alternative? Um, <laughs> isn't there a way I could keep kind of doing what I want and yet not suffer the consequences for that? Anybody ever think like that? Is there a quick fix to this problem? Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't it be great every time I got a situation, a quick fix, but it doesn't generally work that way. Usually there's some things that need to happen in us, some changes that have to, to, to take place in our own lives. But I really don't want to change. I just like a better result than I'm getting now. And, and, and so... The question is, do you, do you want to get well, really? And my hope would be, even as we discuss that, and you pray about this week, you begin to think about, and the Spirit would reveal to you, places in your own life where you know that you're settling for less than all that God would have for you in those areas of your life. And you've just kind of moved it aside and pushed it away. Well, one of the things that we have to do is this point, too, is we have to stop making excuses. 
um, because the excuses are keeping us stuck in a life that's not the full and abundant life that Jesus wants us to have. John 5, 7, Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Well, there's nobody to help me. It's really not my fault. I've been here. I'm ready to go. But somebody always beats me, and I can't get there. Now, I don't know about you, but if I had 38 years to sort of think about this process, and I had the idea that when the water was stirred, if I was the first one in, I would get better, don't you think you'd just camp out in the water for a while? Have a foot in it, a toe, something. Wouldn't you have dragged yourself over there and positioned yourself so that there was no way that anybody could beat you or at least set up some sort of organization and plan? I've been here the longest. I'm the next one in. Something should have taken place, but oh, no. I'm all alone here. No one even notices me anymore. I'm just stuck, and this is my life, and I can't get in. Now, understand, um, it was sort of, the whole thing was kind of a superstitious thing anyway because um, what, the, what the superstition was was that um, a, an angel or something would come and stir the waters, and if you were the first one in, you could get healed. Now, if you, when you read your Bibles, depending on your translation, that's verse 4. It's omitted in most newer translations because as they found more and more recent transcripts, more recent, more recent discoveries of older manuscripts, so more accurate manuscripts because they have an older date on them. As they discovered more of those, they found out that there was not verse 4 and that it had been added at some point in time to add some context, I guess, but they'd added this sort of superstitious thing um, because it, it really doesn't sound like the heart of God that there's a contest to get healed. It's not who he had. Okay, stir the water. First one in. Let's watch and see what happens. Oh, look at him go. I just... <laughs> so, so that wasn't the situation, but, but this was sort of the, the thought process. And, and even that, you would think that if you, if you, he obviously believed it enough to be there at Bethesda, that you would make it so that you could be the first one there, and he never did. And he, and he basically is saying, you know, I can't do it, because I'm all alone. Someone else always gets there first. It's not fair. It's too hard. What, what if I get there and it doesn't work? What, what if I, I can't do it? It's, it's not my fault. It's your fault. It's the world's fault. It's the government's fault. It's my parents' fault. It's society's fault. I'm in pain. Nobody cares. I can't change. I've tried before. What difference does it make? I will fail. We, we tend to find a list of excuses for not making the changes that God would have us make in our lives. And, and He's more than able and willing to help us in the process. But, but we have to say, yeah, I really do want to get well, Lord. I really do. And notice, Jesus doesn't help him to the pool. He doesn't position him so he's the next one in. He doesn't offer to carry him to the edge. He just tells him what he needs to do. And the guy chooses to do it. In this case, Jesus says, get up, pick up your mat, walk. And as he did, Jesus made him well. But Jesus told him, this is what you need to do. And the guy said, okay, that's what I'm going to do. And so all of us, you know, if we really want to get well, what we have to do is we have to listen to Jesus. We put our faith and our trust in him and we do what he says. You know, this is, you know, we've talked about this a lot. This is where that whole idea of doing the next right thing comes from. We're going to try to do the next right thing because that's where life is found. But here's point three, the battleground. This is the battleground that we all live on and that we face. John 5, 14. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. You know, and... and the bottom line of sin is this. Sin is always choosing to do what we want instead of what God wants. That's, that's what sin is. Sin is always saying, I want to do what I want anyway, and, and so that's what I'm going to do. And, and Jesus says, don't do that, 
Or, or you might experience the, the type of life you were experiencing before, a life that had left you alone and desperate and, and not well. And, and so, see, the, the battleground is all about these choices that we make constantly throughout our days. And, and that's such a great question. You know, I, I think about that all the time. Do I want to get well? And that and, and th- th- will impact the way that I choose throughout the day um, what I'm going to do. And as situations come, you know, and it's not just once a day. It's situation after situation after situation. Lord, do I want to do it your way? Do I want to do it my way? And life is always found in doing it his way. Now, and, and I wish I could say I got that all nailed down and I always do it his way. I don't. I'm slow. I don't know about you. I'm a little stubborn, I think. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a work in progress. I get it. I'm not making excuses for that. I'm just trying to tell you the reality of life. I, I really, I start every day thinking, God, I just want to do it your way today, but I will mess up throughout the day. And, and uh, I'll get short with people. I will, I will put myself ahead of others. I, I, you know, there's a multitude of things. I'm not even going to go into the list of things. I'm not making excuses for that. I don't want to do those things, but I still, I still move into the process. But Lord, I, I get to this point where, you know, every day, God, I really do want to do what you want me to do because I know that's where life is found. And Lord, I want to do better today than yesterday, and some days are better, and some days maybe not so good, but every day. Lord, I, I want to live for you. I want to do what you want me to do because that's where life is found. Real life, abundant life, a now and forever life, a life of purpose and meaning and, and mission. And choosing to go my way leads to a false life, an invalid one. And that's what takes place. And I just think this question helps us so much. I know it helps me so much. Do you want to get well? I have, I have those initials for do you want to get well all over the place in my life. I wear a wristband that says it. We give these away all the time. I have stickers in places where I'm going to see them in the morning. So I think about it for, do I really want to get well? And, 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 and Lord, yeah, you, I do. Now, here's the thing. Having said that to you, um, sometimes I choose not to do the next right thing. But I have to know this in the process or the enemy will beat me up. Um, God is with me and for me all the time. And when I figure out I've done what I shouldn't have done, I've gone my way instead of his, I go running back to him, and he never says, I told you so, that's not the heart of God. He's always just there waiting for me to love on me and to encourage me and to, you know, to empower me to go and do the next right thing. See, he loves me. And, and when I turn around and go running back, and, and that's, that's, the, that's the idea of confession, uh, and confession isn't, so make sure you, confession isn't just going to God and saying, I'm sorry, because that's really not confession. That's... That's something different. Confession, and this is where we find life, is getting before God with the, rea- with the realization of what you've done that wasn't what he wanted you to do and say, in effect, God, your way was right, my, may- my way was wrong, and I want to live your way. That's how we learn. You don't always learn just by saying you're sorry. It's a good thing to say. Don't get me wrong. Sorry is good, but it's not always a learning process. But saying, God, you were right and I was wrong, you start to learn a little bit. Your way was right, God. I want to do it your way. And he loves us. And then, you know, he's extending the kingdom of God to us in the thing. He, what he says is, here, here, here I am. I love you so much. And you're filled with my spirit. And, and you have all the power you need to do the next right thing. Everything is within you that you need to do the next right thing. So go and do that. And we get a brand new start. And off we go again. And, and so that's the choice, really. Do we want a life that's, that's just, you know, um, filled with him? That's, that's real and full and abundant. Or, or do we want to settle for a life that leaves us feeling alone and afraid and ashamed and constantly looking for something to fill the emptiness or relieve the pain in our lives? And these are, this is what hangs in the balance. Do you want to get well? 
my, my hope would be this week that you would consider that in, in areas of your life and I'm pretty confident here that all of us can find an area just find one um, if you're like me I can, that's, that's real quick I can find a whole bunch but just one say God you know I, this is an area that I've sort of been stuck in for a while and I really do want to get well here Lord would you help me and he will and, and just kind of consider that throughout the week and consider how he can help you in the process and, and that life is found in moving those directions don't settle for the familiar if the familiar is not good always look for what's good in him and move in those directions because that's where you find life and he wants to help you in the process but that's it for um, today if you're watching my video TV thank you we appreciate you doing that we'd love for you to come and visit if you need prayer go to the website and uh, we'd be happy to pray for you you can call us and we will see you soon